Today's podcast is with Melissa Knott from City National Bank in Jefferson County. Melissa and I discuss credit and why it's important, why you don't want bad credit, how to get good credit, or how to start getting credit if you don't have any credit. I hope you learn as much as I did. Hello, Melissa. Hi, Kevin. Thanks so much for being on my podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about credit. You're going to kind of break it down for me on a very basic level, hopefully, and um, teach me stuff about credit that I probably didn't know or realize. Uh, For me, credit seems like such a huge topic. It's something that's there. I have no control over it. And I mean, if it's good credit, it's bad credit. If I do the right things, it's good credit. If I do the wrong things, it's bad credit. I hope that you can make it simpler and explain to me why it's important. We will try and break that down for you. Okay, cool. Um, stay closer on the mic, okay? Okay. Yeah. The What is credit? Credit is your ability... Go ahead. Is your ability to purchase and your buying power from everything to something at the grocery store to a vehicle to a home. And it's extremely important. It can also be a factor in obtaining employment. Some people will check the credit, and if you have poor credit, you may not get the position. I had that happen one time when I was getting out of college. There was a job fair, and um, I think it was back with Wachovia. They were hiring business banking right out of college kind of positions, and I didn't get the job, they said, because of my credit. That's kind of crazy to me. It can affect it. It can affect if you have a clearance and your credit suddenly becomes poor, that can be an issue too. You may not get your clearance updated. It can affect a lot of different things. You mean a clearance for like a government job or something like that? For a government job. Government jobs are big on checking for credit. How do I know if I have good credit or bad credit? um, The best way to do that is to get a monitoring service um, and, and follow that each week. It will show you how your credit changes and what factors affect it. How often should I check my credit? If you have a monitoring service, you get a full credit report every week. Um, It's good to to check in on that. You you can put it on your phone. Just You know that it updates on a Thursday, let's say, um, and you can go in and check that and just make sure everything looks as it should. Also, you'll get a notification if anybody pulls your credit or if there's a password that you're potentially using to any of your financial sites that's been compromised in any way. It can also help you manage that. So there's three different, there's probably more than three, but this, I can think of three credit reporting uh, agencies. Yeah, agencies. What, um, what makes them the authority? Do you know? Like, what, why would, why is Experian or TransUnion or Equifax? Equifax. Why would they be considered, like, who, do you, do you, have, do you know who set those up back in the day? Or, I don't know who set them up back in the day, but okay. they are the three reporting bureaus that everybody uses. Some people only pull from one, some people pull from all three. And that's how you get the difference in your credit report and your actual number. And you have a high, a median, and a low score. And that's typically made up of those three bureaus. I see. So each. Each bureau will send a number, 
and then I guess how those numbers look. Are they typically close to the same, or do they rate on different levels? They can be quite a range, and that tends to happen, let's say TransUnion knows you have a collection or a late payment, but it hasn't been reported to Experian or Equifax. It can cause a big difference. There can be a 100-point spread between your actual numbers. So that's why it's important to monitor all of them and make sure that you understand what's going on with your credit at all times. Okay, so let's get back to the start starting point. If I if I have no credit, let's say I'm maybe 18 years old, just out of high school, how do I start establishing my own personal credit? So there are a couple of different ways, and it is really important to establish that credit early on. Uh, when people come to the bank and open an account at that age, that's one of the things that we will talk about with them. Initially, um, there you can get what's called a secured credit card. Basically, they take the money from your account, anywhere from $300 on up is the typical amount. You can do whatever is comfortable for you. You start to use that credit card, you pay it off each month, and you'll find very quickly you will, you will begin to get other offers of unsecured cards. And then you move on and get one of those. Um, you really need to have at least four lines of credit to, to build your credit and get to a point where it's a good number. Four lines of credit, does that mean like four different credit cards? Yeah, four lines of credit. You want to have four lines, four different credit cards. Um, the installment loans reflect a little differently. Um, What's an installment loan? An installment loan is something like if you're paying each month on your car, or you're paying each month on, on your student loans. Those are installment loans. Credit okay. cards are different. You can pay them off, use them, zero them out. Once an installment loan is done, it's closed. Okay, so let's say I have 400 bucks in the bank. I get a credit card for a hundred dollar balance. Is that something, or is it like a? Is it two hundred? Is typically the smallest. Okay. Um, the other thing you can do is, if your parents are willing, you can they can add you to their credit card. And how that really helps is if they have very large limits. That really helps with your utilization. So if you use a hundred dollars and there's a thousand dollar limit, you're still at that ten percent utilization. Whereas if you have a two hundred dollar credit card and you're using a hundred dollars of it, you're at fifty percent. Oh, I see. I see. So let's say I get a credit card and I'm not the most mature person, some younger. And I max out that credit card and I don't pay it. And I never had any intention of paying it because I didn't understand the importance of credit. How does that affect me out of the gate? I mean, if I'm starting out with no credit, I assume I have a low credit score anyway. How do you get an additionally low credit score? So it will it will stay on your credit and be there permanently, but it is something you can address. The first thing to do is to get that paid off and it's best to pay it in full because if you settle that balance it will reflect it as a settled balance on your credit once you pay that in full you'd have to move on and start the process again probably with a secured credit card because you wouldn't have the ability to get an unsecured credit card at that point okay all right i remember when i was younger <clears throat> probably 18 19 20 years old i 
went into like a JC Penny or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at watches and I was like, I can't afford that watch. And the person's like, well, we can, you can apply for a credit card. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't think I'll get it. And they're like, well, you can try. So I filled out the paperwork. I got the credit card. I got some swanky watch. I still have the watch today. And this was seriously <laughs> 25 years ago. Even it's a lot wa- of money back then. Yes. Even though the wallet watch is broken, I still have it. Um, I never paid that credit card. I know I didn't. Not the first darn payment because I was extremely you know, irresponsible back then. Maybe 15 years later, I went back, I think, to the same store, whether it was JCPenney or whatever, to apply for a credit card. And I was denied. I assume it only had to do with the fact that I never paid it back in 1994. And we do see that a lot. Uh, people have, it can be a credit card, it can be a cable bill, it can be a cell phone bill. Um, any of those items will show up on your, on your credit, medical bills, co-pays, all of those items. And if you're monitoring your credit, that's another reason to monitor it. So you can see those items and be able to take care of them. Cause a lot of people don't even realize they're there. It happened so long ago. Right. Okay. So if I have, let's say my four credit cards and each of them have a balance of around 3000 to $6,000, And maybe Discover for some reason. I see Discover gives me a higher balance every time. I don't know why they do, Mm -hmm. but they do. How should I utilize my credit to increase my score? Because I I think a lot of the thought is to only use credit when you have to. And only um, if you're going to run it up, pay it off really fast. You don't get hit with interest. Or don't use the credit. But... How should I balance my credit usage to increase my credit score? So some people uh, believe they shouldn't use those credit cards. And if they don't, what will happen? They will close eventually. And that actually will have a negative impact on your credit. So if you have those credit cards, you want to make sure you're using them. The key is to keep the utilization to 30% or below because that way you can have that premium credit that we're all looking for. Actually, 10% or less gives you the premium credit, and you can get into that 800 number, which is 800, oh. 850 is your maximum credit score. And um, if you can get to that point, it's usually because you've got really, really high limits, and you're utilizing it in the right way, as in keeping it below 10%. Gotcha. So if I have a thousand dollar, let's say I have a ten thousand dollar limit credit card, I should use it on a regular basis at one thousand or lower. And if I have four credit cards, I should use all of them at below the ten percent of the balance, almost on a monthly level. Yes. And then, if I was responsible and had enough money in the bank, kind of pay it pay off. Pay them off each month. Yes. And two, when you pay something off and it reports, it it boosts your credit score. So it's always good. It'll tell you we see you paid off a credit card to zero balance. And typically that's going to give you a little uptick in points on your credit score. I see. I see. Okay. Um, I was going to ask what is an excellent credit score. So I had no idea it maxes out at 850. What is a bad credit score? I was like, what's the worst credit score? The worst credit score I've ever seen has been in the 300s. um, And that was due to 
bad credit followed by no credit. So we had to start over with a secured credit card. But in, in the past, you've said that bad credit is worse than no credit. No, I'm sorry. You said no credit is worse than bad credit. Is that... It's as bad as no credit. Okay. Yes. Yeah, people think that if they operate on a cash basis, that they have excellent credit because they have no credit. So they're a great credit. In their mind, they're an excellent credit risk. It, when you say cash basis, for some reason, I think of using checks also. If I have a checking account, is that credit reported? No, it's not. So if you say someone who lives on a cash basis, they're not paying with green money all the time. They're also paying with checks. They could write a check or use their debit card. Um, the only thing that gets reported from a bank is if you have a negative balance and the account gets charged off, then you can't write a check anywhere. Gotcha. Okay. So paying for everything cash and not using credit, even if I have a relatively good credit score, my credit score will go down because I'm not utilizing the credit opportunities that have been given to me. Or it will give us a report that says there is not enough history to make a credit risk assessment. Credit risk assessment meaning? What type of risk you are, because your history, how you make your payments, what type of credit you have, all help. that all helps us to determine what type of credit risk you are or are not. So if there's nothing there, we have no way to determine that. Okay, yeah, gotcha. So there's no background. And when you refer to somebody as a credit risk, that's only in reference to giving them a loan or um, approving them for a credit card. Yes. Okay. Let's see. What else is in my notes here? This is pretty good. Uh, so we have how do you start if I get a credit card and max out and don't pay it? What is the next one? Credit score. Um. What are the biggest factors that affect credit? Uh, the biggest factors are history, the history of your credit payments. What's a good history? A good history is 100% on-time payments. For how long? As long as you've had credit. Because if you have any late payments, it will you're, you're, it's a but done on a percentage. So if you have 100%, you've never missed a payment, which means it gets reported after you're 30 days late, typically. So you do have a little leeway there. If you've missed a payment and it's just been a few days, go ahead and take care of that because a late payment, just for an example, if we're looking to qualify you for a house payment, if you've had one late payment in 12 months, unless you can give a really good explanation as to why it was missed and back that up with paperwork, it can prevent you from getting a home loan. That's pretty serious. Yes, it so is. So that would definitely fall under why is credit important. Yes. You can think that you've got good credit. And you might have a, a 610, which is double the really bad one at 300. Mm -hmm. But if you don't realize that max is out at 850, you, you think you have a good credit score and you have your heart set on buying a house, then you find out your credit's not good enough, that really could be a setback. It can. I mean, just something as simple as a medical copay that's $25 and it's hit your credit and gone to collections and then that collection agency then sells it and it hits your credit again, it can really ding your credit for something as minimal as $25. This, see, this is a perfect example of why this podcast exists. I'm learning things that I thought I already knew. Like... You don't know it's that serious. No. 
I don't think anybody realizes it's mm-hmm. that serious. So if, and then there's another podcast that I want to do with you and lenders. I want to know who, who's pushing the buttons. And maybe this is something you can't answer, but if I, if I apply for a credit card, is it a computer saying that it's not good? Is there a man behind the curtain at the head office? Does it go up to one guy? Is there a team? How do they assess? What if that person had, was in a bad mood that day, had a fight with his wife, and came to work and was like, no one's getting credit today? And that's one of the reasons why there are so many rules and regulations for credit. Because you could come to the bank and I could say, I really like your face. I'm going to go ahead and give you a loan. So they take all of that out of it by doing things like if you go to a bank now, typically it's underwritten by somebody in a completely separate office and they just have your information and they pull your credit and it's all based on that. Well, I don't like that, Melissa. I want to get my loans and my approvals based on who I am in the relationship I have with the bank and in the community and for people's believed opportunities that I can do with the money. What happened to those days? So those days are gone now. It's all computer. They are to a point. However, when we look at your overall credit picture, we do look at your relationships with us and previous loans, checking accounts, savings accounts, business accounts. We um, do a business um, audit on your account just to see what your cash flow is like if you don't necessarily qualify on credit. So there are different ways. Once you have that banking relationship, there is things we can do outside of just your credit report. For instance, if you apply for a credit card and you have a relationship with us, we look at that relationship as well as your credit. And that can be a deciding factor if if you're kind of on the fence and on that cusp of us declining you. Okay, I got you. I got you. I just... But it's no longer a handshake. It's not, yeah. And that's, I'm thinking back before the internet or Mm -hmm. back before um, a lot of computer tracking was happening. A lot, I mean, then it had to be handshakes. It had to be. Yep. We know you and we know your family. And you bank with us. So here you go. And that's kind of your credit the way it Mm -hmm. was back in the day. Used to be approval on the spot in the office with the banker. Right. Hmm. But that could also lead to not everybody getting a fair opportunity. And that's why the rules and regulations are in place to give everybody the same playing field and the same opportunity. Okay. I get it. I just don't like it. I prefer the old school way. <laughs> Me too. Right. Um, we, kinda, we kind of uh, covered this. Uh, why monitor your credit? But I use Credit Karma. You kind of recommend that I take a look at that. And then I always get these emails. Something got hacked. I was a part of a whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what company it could be. Amazon or whatever. Something got hacked. And they send me free credit monitoring. Yes. When you sign up for that, what is that doing for me if it's free versus paid for? And if it's paid for, why are there free monitoring apps already online? 
Honestly, most of the services now, it's it's kind of an old notion. Back in the day, it was 20 bucks a month to monitor your credit and we'll make sure everything's secure. There are so many free services out there. At, right now, there are certain websites you can go to and get like one free credit report. The reason I recommend Credit Karma is it's two credit bureaus. It gives you consistent monitoring. It gives you a weekly credit report. And you can even go in there if you're trying to improve your credit and run a scenario. If I pay this down and do this and move some money here, what will my credit look like? It can tell you what it will look like if you're trying to get to that point. It also monitors your passwords. So if you log into anything and it thinks that your password has potentially been hacked, it will send you an immediate notification. And also if your credit is pulled. So it gives you complete control and lets you know exactly what is going on with your credit. And it's a free service. So you mentioned you mentioned pulling credit. Pulling means someone's going to check my credit or run my credit, which means they're going to get the report from three agencies. Yes. Um, I am a, on the Credit Karma also. So whenever I'm applying for a loan for a new truck or something like that, I get the one or two notifications that my credit has been run. Mm-hmm. Does the running of my credit affect my credit? Yes, it does, but it affects it very temporarily. You will notice if you shop for a vehicle or you're shopping for a house and you might pull credit three, four times just to, you know, you want to get the best deal um, and do your due diligence and see how, how you're going to get your best rate. And with that, it does affect it, but it's one of those things where you'll see maybe it drop a couple of points, but it will very soon correct itself because okay. it's a normal thing for people to do. Nice. So many people have student loans. During our pre-interview, you mentioned that um, how, how student loans affect your credit. Mm-hmm. So student loans are one of the largest debts that we cover as a society after our house payment. And when we're looking at that, some people feel if they are in school still or if their loans are in forbearance, there is no payment. Forbearance means? Forbearance means you've put those loans on hold and they're just adding interest to them. It's something that you probably shouldn't do. If Is that what happens when you're in school? Yeah. No, while you're in school, there's no interest. And typically, depending on your loan terms, the first six months to a year, there's no interest when you come out of school. Okay. Once you hit that one year period, you have to start making payments. But for those that aren't able, the government allows you to put those loans in forbearance. But what happens is your interest will add, compound. And then when you start making your payments again, they'll tack on all of that in one go. So you could have ten, twenty thousand dollars tacked on to, you know, a fifty thousand dollar balance. Is that also when someone says they deferred their loan? Yeah, that's same a deferred thing. forbearance is the same. And okay. then the other option they offer is a um, income based repayment plan. But lenders take your entire balance if you are not making full payments. If you're on an income-based repayment plan or if you have them in forbearance, we take your entire balance and we use 1% as a basis for your payment. So you can see how that would be a large payment if you have $100,000 in school loans. Is that, when you say based on my income, is that one of those in balloon? 
Um, so based on your income, you send them your tax, the first two pages of your tax return each year, and then they then base your payment based on your income. And it can okay. lower it for people. And it's better than – it will at least cover your interest. So if you have to – um, you know, do something with your student loans just to, to make ends meet. It's better to do the income base repayment plan than put them in forbearance and just let that interest add and add and add and add. Your balance is going up every day. Okay. Okay. We're getting off track here. Yeah. We're getting off track because we're talking about credit. So I guess student loans, not having a good enough job, maybe falling behind or if they're in forbearance or deferred falling behind on student loans that more impact the credit it does if you fall behind on your student loans it's just like anything else anything past 30 days they're going to report and if you have student loans that you haven't paid like anything else it could disqualify you from a loan hearing you talk about all these things i have no idea why my my credit isn't one of the lowest because i can think back of how many times i was more than 30 days late on numerous things, whether it's credit cards, vehicle payments, um, things I financed. I can think of all these times that I was way behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like my credit score is pretty good now, or it, it wobbles at pretty good. Not excellent and not in the middle. I think it wobbles just above that. Mm-hmm. Like kind of up, kind of down, kind of up, kind of down. How do you change the momentum from having below average credit to getting above average credit? Um, It's really focusing on those on-time payments, your credit utilization, and building a history. You mentioned that you feel like, you know, you've had those times in your life where you haven't done the best things for your credit, but you have since built a lot of different credit over the years. And that sort of offsets that that credit that you have will stay on your credit forever. It doesn't, people think it falls off. It just doesn't count as much. Your most recent credit is what we look at. I see. Okay. So I'm really looking at credit from a totally different point of view now. I should basically have a working relationship with my credit. It's something I really should be monitoring. I should take it. I should take it seriously. Yes. Because... It may get in the way of me getting what I want as serious as buying a house or as serious as having available funds for a medical procedure. Or expanding your business. Oh, yeah, expanding my business. Um, that's really great. I mean, it's, it is, that gives me some pause, though, because I know I'm not paying a, a close enough attention, even with having access to Credit Karma or free credit monitoring. Um I do know that working with you has been an educational process. I've learned a lot about banking and available funds and how to maximize my experience in here, but I did not realize that the credit is something almost like a, a game score. You should really focus on mm-hmm. keeping the score as high as you can. Um, are there any questions I haven't asked that I should ask about credit? Are there any anything that... Um, you think we didn't cover when it comes to credit? No, I think we covered everything. How to establish it, why it's important. Well, I know, and I know. How to manage it. There's a lot of banking terms that people just don't. Uh, they all say they understand them, but they don't really understand them. And I think a lot of it goes hand in hand with um, 
understanding your credit, but then also understanding student loans, also understanding a business loan or a personal loan, what collateral is, how does annual percentage rate work, what, what is compound interest. I mean, get out of here. I can say I understand it. I know. I know I don't understand it. So I look forward to this becoming an ongoing series about banking terms and understanding banking things and just really like the name of the podcast, just really breaking it down and seeing what you can pick up from it. It is. It's really important for everybody to understand that. And banking has a lot of acronyms and a lot of terms. And some people don't want to ask for fear of feeling that they may look like they don't understand. Well, I am here to ask. <laughs> I will. Not only do I not understand, but I'll admit that I don't understand. And uh, I look forward to learning. Melissa, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This podcast is brought to you by City National Bank in Ransom, West Virginia. I am Melissa Knott and manage both of our Jefferson County locations. Our Charlestown location is located on George Street in Charlestown, and the Ransom location is located in the Potomac Marketplace Shopping Center. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. We offer a range of free checking accounts and savings products for both consumer and business customers. City National Bank offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for both business and personal needs. Come and talk to me or one of my team members and get products and services that are tailored to fit your schedule and help you to achieve your financial goals. I can be reached at both the Ranson and Charlestown locations. Check out our website at www.bankatcity.com.